We meet today in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 1 to verse 28. Chapter 25 begins a different set of Proverbs. The Proverbs that are collected in Proverbs 25 to 30 reflect important reforms which were enacted by King Hezekiah of Judah. Hezekiah's father and predecessor, Ahaz, had turned away from the Lord by serving idols and practicing child sacrifice, according to Second Chronicles 28, verse 1 to verse 4. As a result, Judah suffered devastating defeats to the Assyrians and the Israelites of the northern kingdom. But when Hezekiah assumed the throne, he removed the idolatrous practices and centers. He restored temple worship and resumed nationwide observance of the Passover. Yes, there are still Proverbs of Solomon, but they were put together by the men of Hezekiah. The Septuagint calls these men the friends of Hezekiah. Proverbs 25 verse 1 to verse 2. These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Now, the men of Hezekiah were evidently the king's counselors and scholars whom he enlisted to gather further sayings of the wise king Solomon. The glory of God consists largely of his being the master of the mysteries of the universe. It was King Hezekiah's task and glory to investigate God's truth insofar as he had revealed them and to rule his kingdom on the basis of these truths. Now, we are also to search out a matter. Even then, we need to recognize that there are many things that God has not revealed to us. I doubt if we would be able to understand them if he did, by the way. They are inscrutable. They are beyond the comprehension of ordinary men. As he made it very clear in Isaiah 55 verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. However, what God has revealed to us, we should study, we must find out, we should consider it. It is important that we recognize our need to search the word of God and to study it. It is like even when you think of the miners, God delighted in putting the precious metals not on the surface of the land, but down underneath. And what must men do? Men must dig, dig. That is also true with his amazing truth in the word of God. It must be dug out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so their heart of kings is unsearchable. Proverbs 25 verse 3. Sometimes we don't understand what our leaders are actually doing especially when we think of our political leaders or those who have committed and are called to lead. And they probably have justification for what they do because they know things that we do not know. Neither can we understand God's ways, but we are never to sit in judgment upon what God does because whatever God does is right. It is the proper thing to do 
unlike what we can do with our human leaders, we would have to question them. Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Proverbs 25, verse 4 and 5. Now I think one of the worst things that can happen to any individual is to have an evil advisor, someone who leads you into difficulty and trouble and sin. When we take away the wicked from before the king, that throne will be established in righteousness. Could it be that when those in leadership are not walking in righteousness, are not doing things justly, it is because the wicked is among them. The wicked advisors are around the king. So kings, be careful. Watch out who is advising you. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king, and do not stand in the place of the great, for it is better that he say to you, Come up here than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Proverbs 25, verse 6 to verse 7. Now, this is a caution to ambitious men to turn away from pretense and presumption here. One who is content with a humble, lowly seat may be called to a higher one, according to Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to verse 11. You see, Jesus told this to give a warning because the religious leaders of his day were paying no attention to this proverb at all. When a great and important man invited many of his friends for dinner, he had reserved places at the table for certain ones he wanted to honor. But when the dinner bell was rung, there was a mad rush actually to get the best places at the table. They almost turned the thing over. I imagined as they rushed in to get the most important places. The Lord Jesus was present there and that day and apparently he waited until everyone else had gone in. Then he said something to correct them. When you are invited to a dinner, don't try to get the best place. You should purposely take the lowest place. Then when the one who has invited you comes in and sees you taking the lowest place, if you are his honored guest, he may say to you, come on up here. Now, if someone else has taken that place, the host would have to tap him on the shoulder and say, you go down and take the lowest place. That will be embarrassing. You see, there are people whom we call pushy people today. They are pushing themselves up. We have people who are pushy in Christian circles as well. They are ambitious. They want to get ahead in Christian things. That is a tragedy, my friend. Maybe we can't blame a man in the business world for trying to get ahead, but actually in Christian work, it ought not to be. You cannot push up. It is God who exalts, but he exalts the humble. Do not go hastily to court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Proverbs 25 verse 8 Now again, the Lord Jesus gave a parable about this, by the way. He said, in essence, when a king is ready to go to war, 
he ought to sit down and see whether he is going to be able to get the victory or not. And if he sees that he can't carry on the warfare, then he ought to send an ambassador to make a peace treaty with the enemy. The story is in Luke 14, verse 31 to 32. We have an example of this in the Old Testament in King Josiah. He was a good king, and he led the last great revival that Judah had. There was a great turning back to God under his leadership, but he made one grave mistake. Somehow just one flaw sometimes spoils the life of an otherwise great man. Josiah was a great man and an outstanding man of God, but he made this bad mistake. Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, came to make war, not against Josiah at all, but against an altogether different enemy. But when Josiah came out against him, Pharaoh Necho told Josiah, Now, look, I didn't come up to fight you. But Josiah he was a young man, by the way, had gone out to fight. I guess he thought it was the Lord's will. And many of us blame the Lord for the mistakes in our decisions. So Josiah got into real trouble and he lost the battle. In fact, he was killed in the battle there at Megiddo, where the war of Armageddon would be fought. I was able to pass through the Megiddo Valley and it's such a fatal land to be in. Josiah made a big mistake by meddling when he should not have done that at all. That is the thing the Lord wants us to see in this proverb, you see. Debate your case with your neighbor and do not disclose the secret to another, lest he who hears it exposes your shame and your reputation be ruined. Proverbs 25, verse 9 and 10. You could cause a great deal of trouble by criticizing your neighbor to the man down the street. If your neighbor has faults, go and talk to him personally. Don't just talk about it with everyone else. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Proverbs 25, verse 11. Now, as we go through the word of God, we find that certain individuals said in a wonderful way just the right word at the right time. Sometimes it's a good word. Sometimes it's a word of rebuke. But the words were necessary and they were fitly spoken. The words fit into the picture. They were the proper thing to say. Now, we need to recognize that many times we actually say the wrong thing at the right time. Or sometimes we have the knack of saying the right thing, but at the wrong time. And there are times when we probably ought not to open our mouths at all. The proverb here says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So beautiful, so fitting into the picture. Like an earring of gold and, and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker for an obedient ear. Proverbs 25 verse 12. Now you have seen a woman's beautiful earring. In our days some men are wearing earrings, although I never saw one that I thought was very attractive. I don't know what has happened to the men of our day. 
but you have seen a woman beautifully wearing an earring. That describes the effect of a wise rebuke upon an obedient ear. You see, there are times that a rebuke should be made, and it will actually fit like a beautiful earring. Like the cold of snow in time of harvest, he is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. Proverbs 25, verse 13. You see, in Israel, in that land, it gets really hot at the time of the harvest. And in that day, they would go up to Mount Hermon and pack some of the snow and bring it down. I tell you, the snow was good. How wonderful it tasted. That is what a faithful messenger is. No wonder the Lord is going to say to some, Well done, good and faithful servant. We all like to have around us faithful people, don't we? If a man wants a faithful wife, he appreciates faithful children. An employer wants faithful employees. A pastor wants a faithful staff and a faithful congregation. And the people want also a faithful pastor. Faithfulness is a wonderful quality. It is like a good cold drink on a very hot day to have someone with us who is faithful. Faithfulness is what God wants from us. Whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Proverbs 25 verse 14 Some men boast of gifts that, that they don't have. And this is the picture of the apostates in the last days. Those who have departed from the faith. Actually Jude describes them in most vivid language. He speaks of them as being clouds without water, fruit trees without fruit, raging waves of the sea, forming out their own shame. That is Jude verse 12 to verse 13. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Proverbs 25 verse 16. My friend, eating honey is both good and healthy unless it is eaten in excess. In scripture, honey represents all that pleases the sense. So whatever is good and proper may be detrimental if it begins to control one's life. So the lesson here is for one to seek control. It overeating is out of place. You just need what is necessary. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hurt you. Or else you may even overhear a conversation in the kitchen where the lady of the house says, I wish that old gossip would go home and stay home. It's better not to wear out your welcome at a place. Visit so that when you visit the next time, they really appreciate your coming. That is what this proverb is talking about. Not to constantly be at your neighbor's door. Then you may not be welcome. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bird tooth and a foot out of joint. Proverbs 25 verse 19. 
Well, we have the example of Judas Iscariot. He was a bad toothache and he was foot trouble. He was both of these. You have probably met someone like that in your life. You put confidence in someone who is unfaithful and in time of trouble, they really cause pain and they really stumble you. You can't walk properly. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Proverbs 25 verse 21 and verse 22. Now we find that the Lord Jesus repeats this principle, and Paul does it too. It is very important. Do not pay evil with evil, but pay evil with good. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Proverbs 25 verse 24. By the way, we have had this pointed out to us in several Proverbs already. Solomon, who had so many wives, must have had a lot of trouble with some of them. Maybe that is why he mentioned this often to repeat it. As cold water to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. Proverbs 25 verse 25. Now, have you heard from home lately? That's a familiar question. Or have you written home to mother? That is important. But there is something far greater in this verse than first meets the eye, you see. There has come good news from a far country. The Lord Jesus said, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. John 16 verse 28. You see, in that brief period of time, as John Wesley said, God was contracted to a span and he wrought out your salvation and mine. That is the good news that has come to us from a far country. By the way, have you received him? Have you accepted him? He is the water of life. He is cold waters to a thirsty soul. A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. Proverbs 25 verse 26. Now, this is the comparison he makes with a righteous man. A man who has stood for truth, who finally bows before the wicked. My friend, how many times that happens in businesses? How many times that happens in politics? A man of integrity, in order to get into office, will bow before the wicked. And it even happens in the church. A man who has stood for pure doctrine, for the things that are right, will begin to compromise and cut corners. That is the heartbreak of our day. It is just like coming to a spring when you are thirsty and finding it covered with the scum and pollutants. That is what this verse is talking about. You expect it to drink water that is fresh, that is cool and cold to uh, refresh your body. But all you see is dirty filth and you are turned away in revulsion. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down. Without walls. Proverbs 25 verse 28. 
Now this refers to a man or a woman who cannot control his emotions, who is not practicing self-control. That is self-control ruling his spirit. And you know that self-control is the fruit of the spirit. Self-control is actually very important. Inestimable importance is put on self-control. According to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, verse 27. One who cannot exercise restraint of his own will is like a city that is exposed to the attack of its enemies. Without self-control, one is more vulnerable to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now there is a time for a person to let go. There is a time to stand for something and to speak out with great emotion. But my friend, we are to recognize our need to control our own spirits. Do you control your spirit? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org.